Welcome, foolish podcast listeners, to Cheer Up, Buddy, the Sad Man Movie Podcast. I'm Tom. I'm ready. And this week, we're talking about The Haunted Mansion, 2023 horror fantasy films directed by Justin Simeon, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Tiffany Haddish, Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, and everyone's favorite, Jared Leto. Pretty, what happens in The Haunted Mansion? Based on the titular Disney ride, Ben, Lakeith Stanfield, joins forces with Father Kent, Owen Wilson, a professor, Bruce, Danny DeVito, and a medium, Harriet, Stephanie Haddish, to help Gabby, Rosario Dawson, and her son settle into a mansion that may be haunted by ghosts. In this week's episode, the sad man is Lakeith Stanfield as Ben Mathias, who's a widower astrophysicist. Is that his title? Yes, like I he, think that's right. <laughs> yeah, he was this impressive scientist who, after his wife dies, takes over her ghost tour business in New Orleans. And that's kind of what leads into the Haunted Mansion milieu. Uh, so, Riddy, what did you think of the Haunted Mansion? Um, well, my first note was sometimes, and I've mentioned this before, sometimes it's hard to pick who the sad man is uh, in these movies. It's not this time. Ben, uh, he's our sad man. And my note is dead wife usually does it. Um, yeah. So if, someone wife, if someone's wife has died, they usually, usually it's a good bet that they're the sad man in a movie. Yeah, there uh, was no quick... delay in getting the reveal <laughs> of the sad man in this. We had the little intro, we had the initial meet cute, and then... Cut to him drinking alone at a bar in the afternoon. So I was like, oh, okay, no no debate. Who's sad here? This one wasn't hard to call. Ben doesn't care about anything. He's a nihilist. We're dirt. We're all dirt. I believe that was the line, wasn't it? Uh, so I think one of the ghosts tells, that life has, tells him life has no meaning later. And I was just thinking of the Big Lebowski. Ah, uh, that must be exhausting. Um, <laughs> but to answer your question, um, I mean, it's a movie. It exists. <laughs> um I don't feel strongly, I have like points that I feel strongly about, but I don't feel strongly about the movie as a whole, one way or the other. It's fine. Um, I'll never have to watch it again. Yeah, Um, I I was trying to think of a way to describe this movie, and I felt like it's thoroughly meh. Like, it's it's not good, it's not bad, it just exists. Well, as a a fan of the titular Disney ride, uh, I really wanted to get your opinion, and uh, obviously the listeners... I uh, can't see you in your uh, Haunted Mansion uh, sweater, sweatshirt. Sweatshirt, yeah. Um, that you, yeah, sweatshirt that you pointed out to me. Um, but you're a fan of the ride, and I know this because uh, you were nice enough to uh, invite me to Disneyland earlier this year, and we went on the ride several times. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I also had one of the more cringier comments I've made in my life where I believe I said the Haunted Mansion is probably the closest thing I have in my life to a religion. Hopefully you forgot that I said that. I... Oh, no, because I said it about uh, Super Nintendo Land. Uh, <laughs> so, no, it's burned into my memory. Yeah, mine too, but in a very much a mark of shame. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think we've really gotten into it yet, but I, I grew up in a Disney family. Uh, went to Disney World a lot. Growing up in South Florida, really the only direction to go is north, and it just so happens the closest tourist destination that's not a beach. Uh, which is not appealing at all when you grow up in a beach resort town, is Disney World. So that was a frequent destination. I'd say at least once a year, every year, until I left the state. And even after that, it's usually about once a year, thanks to uh, my sister now living in the planned community outside of Disney World. So I've spent a lot of time in Disney. 
and I've spent is a lot of time in Florida. The, it is celebration. It's the the docs, my sister. Uh, take that. I just know it, it from the office where they're like, where Andy tells Angela, one day we'll move to Celebration, Florida, and leave all yeah. this behind. Yeah, not to go on too much on it. The best description I've ever seen for the community was in The Economist that described it as a gated community without the gates. And I think that pretty much says everything you kind of need to know about. What well, to be fair, there are less like drunken fights or the police at least arrive more quickly when you're in Disney World rather than like the beach in Florida, correct? In Disney World, yes. But there also are a lot of videos of fights that break out in the parks, especially in the Florida parks, just because it's Florida. You, That's you may be in Disney World, but you're still in Florida. You're always going to be surrounded by at least a handful of Florida men at any given time. <laughs> But I digress. Yeah, um, I thought it was a very star-studded cast, um, especially uh, your friend and mine, Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to watch Morbius for this podcast. No, um, we don't. It's, it's Morbin time, but I have a note saying that we need to recover from the psychic, psychic trauma of watching Venom, which we still haven't gotten over. I don't... Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, our, 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 our hidden lost episode um, so far... Um, a few other people I was going to comment, just like comment on their celebrity status. Owen Wilson cashing those multiple checks from Disney now, now that season two of Loki is back on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who did I? Uh, Hassan Minaj, liberal liar extraordinaire now. Um, I guess that was not a uh, talking point when he was filming, but it makes me question, was any of this true? Was he even a police <laughs> sketch artist? Um, his presence just makes me question the whole thing. Um, I say, oh, uh, I have a note saying, does Rosario Dawson have it going on? Um, I never <laughs> was like, like, I never thought of her being like super cute, but now she's like, where have uh, you been the past, what, 25 years? I don't know, but like, I saw Ahsoka and the make the Ahsoka makeup doesn't do it for me. I'm sure there are men that like are like, and, and ladies that are into the Ahsoka makeup, but it didn't really, you know, fly my plane or whatever the. I Same never would have taken you for a xenophobe. That's the right, <laughs> I don't think that's the right term. But uh, in this, Rosario Dawson, she's a mother I'd like to be friends with. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, no argument here. But I, I did have in my notes that I thought that this cast, aside from Lakeith Stanfield, who I, I love, I, I guess he had some weird potentially cancel, cancelable moments a couple of years ago. I don't think that ever really happened. I am a fan of his work, but aside from him, I felt like this cast was very much generated by an algorithm where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. Owen Wilson appeals to this demographic, Tiffany Haddish to this demographic, Danny DeVito this demographic, and oh, everybody loves Morbius. Let's get Jared, <laughs> Jared Leto. So it definitely felt like a very much a pastiche of, of uh, general populations, like making sure that every kind of quarter of the population is met as featured somehow in this movie which is not necessarily terrible but not necessary like uh it was like algorithmically determined by a computer who should be in this movie yeah like there's no reason jared leto needed to be a ghost who we only ever see in human form via a drawing like that very easily could have been doug jones or just some random ass uh cgi person like like an andy circus type role or Hollywood. Let me let me let me float this note. Could have been one of us. Yeah, or I, both of us. I'm constantly fighting off a hunch growing in my back. I easily <laughs> could have just slouched around. Well, obviously, Disney was like, uh, Morbius is about to come out. 
This is going to be the summer. Well, I think hit. this was cast after Morbius. I think that's what happened is that they, they are like the morons at Sony who did not pick up sarcasm and thought the online. Like, it, is, it is Morbin time. You're, you're right. No, I was like, I was thinking like it was after Morbius had wrapped before it had come out. And they're like, this Morbius is going to be a major hit. We got to get Leto on our side too. I don't even know. I think it, I think Disney got duped by the online call for for Morbius re-releases and thought this was <laughs> genuine interest by the fan base and not realizing that think he kind of sucks. But what do I know? I'm not a I'm not a rich exec. Hollywood so and so. Um my other casting note was um Matt Berry. Why isn't Matt Berry in this? Why isn't he William Gracie? Why isn't he Alistair Crump? Why isn't he that drinking ghost? He could be all three of them, but no. That would have been the brave casting choice. I forget which website it was. It may have been Vulture, but there was a, a publication about a year or two ago that I forget if it was weekly or monthly. They have an article which was, why isn't Matt Barry in whatever? And then it'd be like James Bond or different franchise. So if you have not seen that yet, you need to find that. We'll- I will, I will look it up because I mean, ultimately the question is, why isn't Matt Barry in everything all the time? Um, and, when yeah, he's not around, why aren't other actors asking, where's Matt Barry? <laughs> exactly. But like for this, this, he would have been so perfect. Um, and yeah, like I do think like if anyone had like sat down and thought about it for 15 minutes rather than like letting computer decide, um, oh, this demographic would love like sad dads, like they're going to love Danny DeVito um, as Professor Bruce. Oh, see, I think Danny DeVito was put in for morons our age who love always sunny it's like oh he's, <laughs> he's that agent of chaos that kids love and now he's pitching <laughs> jersey mike sandwiches everybody loves him they'll they'll bring in the chaos loving sandwich loving fan base so we got that covered. those college age young people who dressed up in suits or tuxedos to go see minions they'll yeah. come to see danny devito yeah actually i want to go back to something you just said about the sad dad aspect of this oh boy <laughs> this movie was not made for kids, but also it was too silly for adults. Like that's, I think that's one reason going is back. Is it to not made happened. for kids? Is like, I mean, I guess it's PG thirteen, but like, it did seem like a kids movie. In essence, I think it's supposed to be. But when you take a step back, at least for me, the main character is a, a drunk widower, and then the kid in the movie turns out to be who I, oh, I don't have the actor's name, but that the nine-year-old in the movie ends up being suicidal in essence. Like it's pretty dark for a, a kid's film, but without much of the levity. And that kind of goes to, you, you kind of ask my opinion as a Haunted Mansion fan. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about the ride is that it has this nice balance of comedic and creepy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this movie came anywhere near balancing those two aspects that I think is... I feel safe in saying it's kind of the main appeal to all the hundreds of thousands of people who love that ride. Mm-hmm. And this movie just kind of definitely leaned into the, oh, I'm sad. I miss my dead loved one, whether it's a wife or father or whomever. It just did not have any levity to kind of balance that out. So you're saying it wasn't like very funny. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, well- no. <laughs> Um, I just thought the, the Travis was a non-entity in the movie. I have a note 
it's like two thirds of the way through the movie saying Travis is the son because I couldn't remember his name. Uh, and all my notes before that were like the son. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely felt like another one of those elements where it's like, we need to have a kid in this movie so kids can relate to it. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, man. Like, they're like, I know Lucky Stanfield will bring uh, the kids to the theater after uh, Sorry to Bother You and Atlanta, but we need something to keep them in their seats. We need to put a kid in. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I wasn't sure if I, was, if I should mention this or not, but during the pandemic, I taught myself how to write screenplays. And one of the exercises I did was I wrote a Haunted Mansion screenplay. And I wrote and not it. To, uh, not, not to shit on Disney, but yours kicks their, this movie's ass, ass, asses, ass. Yeah, that's debatable. But the, the, pers- the angle that I came from when I wrote mine, when I was a kid, I loved Don Knotts movies. And <laughs> one of my favorites was The Ghost and Mr. Chicken which is a kid-oriented horror-esque movie. And so when I wrote mine, I was like, I'm going to write mine as a modern-day Don Knotts movie. Coincidentally, when I wrote it, I had the main character in mind as either John Mulaney or Lakeith Stanfield. So I thought it was really coincidental that he ended up being the the lead in the actual. But going off that, it just, I mean, obviously, we're two childless men uh, (laughs) on the cusp of a, new decade of life so this really isn't really a film for us but at the same time isn't it though i don't think it's i don't think we're excluded from it i mean i think we both sadly qualify as disney adults not i was gonna say we don't have the like the jack the the denim jackets with uh patches on it or anything but like we're like in a loose definition of disney adults we're we're adults who willingly spend money to go to Disney theme parks without a child with us. So fair, but I don't want to be considered a Disney adult because of that term is so stigmatized and rightly so for the most part. There's some people who really take it too far. But going off that, I just feel like this movie could, if they kind of balanced it in such a way where it was goofy enough for kids or make it straight up horror. But even then, that that could not have worked. With they wouldn't have oh. made a straight horror movie from uh, the ride on in Disney. Did you know that Guillermo Guillermo del Toro almost made a Haunted Mansion? I did know that because I read the TV tropes on the uh, movie after I watched it. It was uh, going to be him yeah. directing Ryan Gosling, who is apparently a self-professed Haunted Mansion nerd himself. So I guess we can lump ourselves in together with Ryan Gosling. He hasn't uh, been canceled, has he? Uh, not at the time of this recording. Everybody is still in love with Ken's. Oh yeah, that's right. Yes, no one has uh, no one has, has called him out for problematic stuff in as in Barbie. No, um, oh, sorry, I'm I'm going all over the place with my thoughts on this because this movie kind of made me a sad man. I wanted this to be a good movie, and it just wasn't. Well, I have this at the end of my notes, but I want to. I'll, I guess I'll, I'll ask you now. There are two other Haunted Mansion um, adaptations that I know of. One, the Eddie Murphy movie, which is the Haunted Mansion, and then the Muppets one. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is on Disney Plus, but I'm not sure. I'm pretty um, sure it I is. Did, and I didn't watch either of them because uh, I watched this last night. But what do you, how do you, did you see those other two? I watched the Muppets Haunted Mansion when it came out last year, I believe. It was last year, two years ago. I think that did a pretty good job of balancing the tone of what the ride is. I watched the Eddie Murphy movie for the first time this week. 
mm-hmm. because my significant other said, I want to watch it before watching the new one. I, mm-hmm. I saw the new one in theaters this summer. Um, sort of not sad circumstances necessarily, but I went to see it alone after dropping my parents off at the airport after seeing them for the first time in two years. So I was kind of bummed that I was saying goodbye to them. So to kind of, to recover from them leaving, I just wanted to go sit alone in a dark room where no one could see me. So I mm-hmm. figured, oh, I'll go see the Haunted Man. And so I had seen it already. My significant other wanted to see the Eddie Murphy one prior to this one so she could compare them. It's bad. I I knew the premise <laughs> of the the Eddie Murphy version because I think I've mentioned it before. One of my favorite podcasts is Podcast The Ride. I subscribed to their Patreon feed and years ago they did a episode where they re- they watched the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion. And that's actually what inspired me to write a script myself because listening to their description of it, it sounded to me whoever wrote that script fundamentally did not understand the appeal of the ride when they wrote the movie and watching Eddie Murphy version a few days ago they definitely did not understand the appeal of the ride when they wrote that movie this one they came closer they they had a lot of fan service there was a lot of easter eggs or direct call outs and shout outs to the ride which I think when they did that they actually did it pretty deftly I was very impressed when they did it but when a movie is supposed to be about a haunted mansion, I want the story to take place inside a haunted mansion. This movie, they back I mean, up. To be a, fair, they gave you two haunted mansions. They did, which I thought was a kind of fun reference because one looks like the Florida haunted mansion and one looks like the California haunted mansion. Yeah, but going back off that, the whole the ride does not have a story necessarily. It's pretty just nebulous. You go into a haunted house and there's ghosts, but there is that narrator. When you're in that stretching room, who says you're in a room with no windows and no doors, and now you have to find a way out, which I think that establishes a goal for the ride. You as someone writing it, you're now inside this mansion. It has ghosts. You need to find a way out. I think that's all they needed for a premise is just put characters in a haunted mansion and say, figure it out. How are you going to get out of here, dummies, before you die? Yeah. I didn't need to be able to go in and out and go to Tulane and go to a hibachi <laughs> grill and where else did they, I don't know. They, they went to all these random ass spots throughout the story with, oh, going off this as another former atl and yourself, mm-hmm. did you see the reference to the Majestic Diner? Yes, I did. Yes. Yes. It made me so happy. Yeah, it was filmed. I think it was filmed in Georgia. Most of it, some of it. I saw the the thing at the end, so... Part of it must have been. For anyone who doesn't know, the there's a very famous diner in Atlanta on Ponce Avenue called the Majestic Diner. It's open 24 hours at late night on the weekends. They have a bouncer out front to kind of keep things in order. It's an institution. It's just a greasy spoon. It's just it was a place I really enjoyed going to. You went there. It was kind of like a an urban version of Waffle House, I suppose. Maybe it, if you want to meet cops and hookers late at night, it's the place to be. I don't remember there being too many hookers, but yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you get some of the Claremont Lounge clientele. Blowback from the lounge. Um, <laughs> so I guess like it sounds like your ranking would be the Muppets, uh, this one, uh, Haunted Mansion, and then Eddie Murphy's The Haunted Mansion. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, okay. And I want, like, I feel like 
Um, just changing gears a little bit. Uh, I don't know about the Eddie Murphy one, but it seems like this one really tried to go out and get America's handsomest men. Like he's Stanfield, whose shirt is open for like 70 to 80% of this movie. Uh, Owen Wilson, Dan Levy, Danny DeVito, and um, Jared Leto at his handsomest. <laughs> well, you know, he has range now. We know he, he can play a hunched over creepy ghost. So with a has to walk with an assistant walking assistant device. So he's got range, I guess. He could be a vampire and a hatbox ghost. All right. Well, I'm so- finally starting to look at my notes rather than go off the dome like a dummy. <laughs> I will throw in here. I'm pretty sure, and I speak from experience, that when you have those wet footsteps, it's really just it really just means you. See, that made me think like your pet has peed on the floor, and then you step through it, and you take a couple steps before realizing. That's what that made me think of. That's that's how you know who a dog owner is. Like, oh, there's wet stuff on my shoes. Dog is peed somewhere. Well, this is kind of getting a little into the nitty gritty. But there's a trope that's been developing in modern films that I really am starting to hate. Mm-hmm. But the rejection of the call to action trope that's starting to show up in every movie where Barbie had it, where the... What was the Kate McKinnon Barbie? Barbie weirdo Barbie? Or... I haven't seen Barbie yet. I was waiting. For oh, you haven't? I thought you had. You made a reference to it last episode. Oh, anyway, it's just so... my general pop culture knowledge. No, I'm I'm going to see Barbie. It's worth seeing, huh? It's worth seeing. If we ever do a sad woman feature, be, in, I guess that should be the Patreon podcast. Then we can do Alien. We can do Aliens. We can do Barbie. Well, hell, we could. I guess technically we could bring Ken in because he's a sad man. That's in the true. Movie. But eh, that's that's not. It's not anyway. his story. It's her it shouldn't story. Be ladies, ladies, Greta Gerwig, come on. Anyways, there's been this trope that's been developing in modern films where there's the call to action as the Joseph Campbell uh, hero with a thousand faces, people will know. In Barbie, the main Barbie's task is like either take this shoe and go back to your normal life or take this sandal and figure out what's going on. And the character goes, I just want to go back to normal. It's like, no, you have to do this. And in this, it was uh, Owen Wilson showing up at Lakeith Stanfield's house. As, so Lakeith Stanfield is this talented astrophysicist who has developed a camera which supposedly can take photos of the dead. So that's how he gets looped into this haunted mansion mystery in that Rosario Dawson and her son move into this mansion on the, I guess, an hour outside of New Orleans. So somewhere in the somewhere in the bayou. And they... Ask for Lakeith Stanfield to help them to find out if they're actually ghosts. So Owen Wilson, the priest, shows up, asks him if asks Lakeith Stanfield's character if he wants to be a hero. He immediately says no. It's like, oh ha ha. It's like, okay, I get it. It's just it's a pet peeve of mine. It's just a simple, cheap joke that's just starting to show up a lot. So I'm going on my mad, angry rant about tropes in film writing right now. And it needs to stop. Well, I mean, it's it's been one for a long time. Like you look at like um, uh, Lord of the Rings, the, the the books and the the movies. You know, very much in that Joseph Campbell uh, mold. In the books, like Tolkien, having grown up in like you know the the Middle Ages, essentially, you know, there's no Aragorn has no problem like becoming king. He's never like, nah, I'm good not being king. But in the movies, he's like. I'd rather not be king. I just want to marry your elf daughter and traipsing around the woods or whatever. Um, And he reluctantly becomes king. So I do think there's like a modern sort of thing of where like, we don't want our heroes to like take on that responsibility 
Uh, they want them to be like an everyman kind of thing. It's kind of like Joe Biden. Joe Biden didn't want to be president, but he had to. He saw what was happening to this country, and he, st- he stepped in and saved us, which, sadly, he did. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> that's, that's too close to the actual <laughs> truth for me to be yeah. comfortable. I'm, I'm starting to make myself sad again. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, so we got sad man drunk. He is a failed scientist. Now he's... he. I get he wants to honor his wife's memory by continuing her ghost tour business but he obviously hates it so much yeah and... this is not honoring her memory if you're gonna shit on it yeah time. but i guess part of the reason is he sort of alludes to it later in the movie it's like i go and i've tried to find her as a ghost in the places on the tour and she never shows up it's like well i get that but she probably wouldn't be like haunting some random house on her tour she'd either be where she died, which was sadly in a car crash, so she's probably not like haunting a middle of the road, and she's not haunting the house. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I was going to save this for the end, but really, he just needed some grief counseling. He, he was a sad man and just didn't was not dealing with it healthily. I feel bad. That there was nobody in his life to say, "Hey, man, maybe you should get some help." With, instead of just being called better help, being an angry tour guide. <laughs> Better help. This could be you in our podcast. We could weave you in deftly into the uh, into the discussion. Um, speaking of product placement, there was a lot of like very obvious product placement in this movie. Did you um, did you watch you watched it on Disney Plus? I'm guessing, yeah. Yes. Did you notice at the beginning there's a little notification that comes up where it says this film contains product placement? Oh, I didn't see it. I was like, I was like. Getting, like, it came up in the top left corner. I was like, oh, they're right about that. Because what there there's U-Haul. Uh-huh. Oh, was, I missed that one, yeah. Uh Zatarans. Um, what else? What what do you have on your list? Those are the Mc- two that came up. McCormick, oh. Costco, McCormick. CVS, Amazon, Burger King, Yankee Candle, Baskin Robbins, maybe Apple iPhone if you count his like picture phone thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was there was so I noticed it while I was watching that they really got but Going back to my Disney nerd, though. Yeah. Walt's philosophy was not to pay for anything. To get sponsors to pay for everything. That's why back in the original history of the theme parks, every ride was sponsored by something. Not so much anymore. But back in the day, every ride was like sponsored by Chevron or sponsored by uh, uh, Monsanto. It was always kind of some horrible corporation. Yeah, I love that you picked the worst the corporations. Yeah, um, well, you know, Disney's, Disney's not the... The nicest of all. So, you know, we're the best. You are are who you hang out with. That's my personal philosophy for people, but I think it applies to business. Well, I have a note saying you can't really accuse Disney of selling out because they're like, who's Disney going to sell out to? Disney? (laughs) Yeah. um, Rumors are it's going to sell out to Apple. Yeah. Well, and then my second thing was like, spoiler alert for the first episode of of Loki season two, but like, uh, Sylvie ends up in a McDonald's, like, Seems to be a lot of like product placement to Disney right now. I'm waiting for that Wendy's to show up in like Star Wars. Like they end up in another galaxy and Rosaria Dawson has to go to Wendy's find, I don't know, some lost Jedi or something. That'll yeah. be the the step too far, but Lost Jedi Frost Tea. <laughs> nice. Well, I going through my notes. Would you spend the night in a haunted house? Is Lakeith Stanfield or Rosario Dawson there? Andor? Mm, to make it less appealing, let's say no. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a nice house. Like, I would stay in that house. Like, I don't believe in ghosts, so, like, I wouldn't be too worried about it. 
you know, like that opening of the Simpsons where they inherit the house if they stay one night. Like I'd, I'd stay for one night to inherit the house. Oh, sure. I'm still on the fence about ghosts. I want to believe in them, but at the same time, I have no reasons. My sister and I thought we saw a ghost once years and years ago on New Year's Eve. We thought we saw one walking outside in the street and she thought it was our long deceased grandfather. But in hindsight, it was probably just a drunk guy walking down the road who saw us looking at him and waved to us. Like it wasn't, <laughs> we thought, because we thought it was maybe two in the morning and we had these windows on the side of our front door. And for some reason, we are looking at the front door and this guy just comes walking down the street and he looks in our direction, just waves at us like, hi, and just keeps walking. And we're like, oh my God, that must have been a ghost. There's no way anybody could have seen us. It's too dark. But if there's like two kids with their faces up against a window, you're probably going to notice that, even if there's no real light around, the, just moonlight. And the fact that it's like it's happy and waving to you. Yeah, it's New Year's Eve. It's probably just some drunk asshole walking home. Good on him. A drunk guy driving. saying hello to people he doesn't know? Yeah, so really my only my only potential ghost story is not doesn't hold up under much scrutiny. So I, <laughs> as much as I want to fox molder it and believe in ghosts and be like Zach Bagans and go around and yell at ghosts and antagonize them and try and boss them around. I just can't in good faith actually believe in it. Um, now, now instead of being like Mulder, you're like Scully and impregnated by an alien. Is that what happens you. in the next files? I think that's what happens in the next files. I wasn't far along yet. I was waiting for a deal. <laughs> um, I was making up lines for Rosario <laughs> Dawson at the beginning. Wait, making up? What do you mean? Like, um, you know, kind of like riff tracksing it or not? Oh, okay. Side, but like uh, mystery science theatering it, like 19 minutes early right on schedule uh, from the office and then oh i i'm i must just be a hysterical woman is that right ben yeah. <laughs> um and then they played that uh, i think duke ellington song in uh early on in the movie and that got me off on a tangent uh on jazz um which has nothing to do with this movie but jazz well, it's set in new orleans you can't separate yeah, no. new orleans from jazz no it's good and i like that like new orleans color in it and it's a little bit like it's not that the ride like sort of hides the New Orleans, you know, stuff like it's there, but it's not like super, super. I mean, it's in your face. I just I didn't mean, feel it's, it as it's much in as New it... Orleans Square in California, but it's not like you walk in and they serve you a bowl of gumbo the moment you walk into the house. There's no regional dialect. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think aside from the facade of the, the building, there's no real indication to anchor it in specific. Yeah, but I was just gonna say. Did you know that in Star Wars, jazz music was called jizz? And then they seem to have retconned it into jats, unfortunately. I think so many of my favorite podcasts over the years have talked yes. about how jazz is called jizz. So it's it's a fact that I knew even as a not a big Star Wars fan. And I have a dog who seems to be jizzing right now. Attention. So I'm going to mute myself for a second while it sounds like she's killing herself for some reason. Hold on. What's the matter? You're okay. You're okay. You're, you're okay. Oh, boy. She's told me she wanted to be part of the show, and I didn't let her, so this is how she's protesting. She's sitting behind me and just slowly right That's on cue. Out. So this may just be today's record. Um, I think this is what we, what we put in that interstitial musical sting. You know, this is just the time where the lack of professionalism on my part really shines through. <laughs> Both are all our parts. <laughs> You know what? We don't we don't have a company paying us to do this. It's amateur. Fucking deal with it, listeners. Yeah. Come on. Better uh, get help, get better help therapy, whatever <sighs> you're called. 
I would be very conflicted if they ever asked us to be a sponsor. Yeah, I don't think it's good therapy, so that would be a tough one to shill for. Yeah. Anyways, well, going back into my notes, I have that the most relatable moment of this movie was when Lakeith Stanfield stepped out of his front door and a neighbor tried to talk to him and he immediately walked back inside. Oh, I that's us. That was, that was, I, <laughs> that's completely us. I said that's the most relatable scene I've seen in any of the movies we've watched so far. <laughs> I uh, definitely I try and divide some of the dog walking stuff with uh, my partner and uh, I definitely try to do the late night walks so I don't have to see anybody anytime. I'd rather brave coyotes and deer and wildlife than see our neighbors so do you have a lot of neighbors i I couldn't the way you described your neighborhood i always thought that you were fairly desolate but i guess that doesn't make any sense when i actually apply any thought to it no be living in california there's no way i could get like enough like space to like not see my neighbor actually like pretty um close sort of like in a physical sense um yeah good (laughs) Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I don't want to go on that tangent. We talked but... about it, and we could talk about the guy and his dog in in uh, Haunted Mansion to bring it back to the movie, but... Yeah, he's not dead. <laughs> the, the groundskeeper and the dog are not dead on the ride. They shouldn't be dead in the movie. I'm very <laughs> upset by it. I hope someone got fired for that blunder. Um, uh, Iger! No, you walk a dog, and people think it's licensed to like talk to you. And I'm like, no. I'm oh, the same God. person I was before the dog. I just, <laughs> I just have a dog with me. I mean, um, I, I'm blessed with the face of someone who just looks angry and pissed all the time. So that usually is enough to kind of make people not want to approach me or talk to me. But when they do, I'm just like, ugh, like I just have open disdain for anyone and everyone in my neighborhood. So I don't know. I'm sure there's probably like a, a next door post about me somewhere, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm not on it, so I'll never know. Um, what was I gonna? Uh, I did. I was gonna say. Um, you know, you mentioned sort of like different cast members, like very specifically appealing to different demographics. Um, and I was gonna say that we all know Owen Wilson is charming. What my book presupposes is maybe he isn't. He's fine. I mean, it's... <laughs> no, I mean, he was cute in this. I, I, I mean, that was his line from uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Eel- by cash <laughs> no he's fine i i think you know we they're talk all about like it. yeah it's a cute like an ensemble uh they're all fine i i had a note asking like how does jamie lee curtis feel about being in two minutes of this movie with a terrible russian accent like is she like the cash them disney checks or is she like kind of sad that like so you know she would have been number one in this movie 25 years ago but it's not the pictures that got small it it's not her that got small, it's the pictures. Oh, we're going into a Norma Desmond reference here, eh? <laughs> I guess so. I've seen movies, I can make references. No, I mean, she knew what she was getting in. And that's, that's sure. a, anyone who's kind of savvy to the whole Haunted Mansion fandom, I would be nervous about doing the Madame Leota thing. She's so revered among the fan base. I feel like that's kind of like a losing role to take. But I thought she did okay. So, I think that just goes to show that Jamie Lee Curtis, maybe maybe she did deserve that Oscar for everything, everywhere, all at once. I thought Stephanie <laughs> Over Hsu, all of the Asian people in the movie. I, I thought Stephanie Hsu did a much better role, but it's not a voter. But, but she's Asian, so yeah. disqualified immediately. My favorite like little in-joke with, like when you see 
like a very famous person pop up for like three minutes in a movie is like, well, we know their bathroom had to be redone. So got that Disney check-in. I think there's a story that most film nerds probably know about Michael Caine doing, I think it was Jaws. I'm sure that's where I stole it from. It may not have been Jaws 3D. I forget which Jaws it was, but someone asked him, why'd you take this role? And he said, I needed a vacation home or something like that. So it just, you know, actors, we all know you're rich and out of touch. You can be honest with us when you say this stuff. It's kind of endearing sometimes. Yeah, just tell us. Tell us you need to remodel your bathroom. That's fine. We all do. (laughs) We all all do it. Well, I mean, those of us who own a home five years now, now I got to keep renting bullshit. But if I own a place, yeah, if I had to take a small role in a small supporting role in a big release film, I would do it to help pay the bills. There's no shame. Call us, Hollywood. Um, We did see the episode of Tanked where uh Shaquille O'Neal gets like a fish tank put in his house and I can't remember what was like weird about it but his house was not that good like I was like your house is kind of shitty Shaq what is this what's the deal here Uh, I think he's paying alimony oh fair 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 enough oh I I stole this like from TV Tropes um I stole three things from TV Tropes but there was like a big theme of like found family and you know it was like a nice little ensemble cast like I don't know how much energy Tiffany Haddish really put into it. And I'm like a fan of her, I guess. But I, I just really think she was there for this one. But quote tri- TV trope, sometimes a family is you, your possible girlfriend, your adopted son, a con man turned minister, a phony medium who isn't a phony, an elderly history professor, and 99, a 999 happy haunts. It would have been nice if somebody in the ensemble was a ghost. Like They, were, <laughs> they yeah. interacted with some, but it was really superficial. And the the ghost who owned the house uh master gracie all of a sudden's like oh i'm gonna help you i'm your friend now it's like why you haven't talked to any of them my name is jackie detona yeah oh boy (laughs) well i mean there was a perfect perfect through line here that i'm surprised they didn't take in terms of danny devito's character actually dying becoming a ghost and then living in the house with the rest of the ghosts and them yeah that would have been great He could have been Pickwick hanging off the chandelier and dying. These are brave choices the movie was unwilling to make. Casting Mm -hmm. Matt Berry, killing Danny DeVito. Well, one of the things that stuck in my craw, which I am apparently (laughs) an 80-year-old man now, use expression. Lakeith Sanfield's character apparently created a camera that can take photos of ghosts. Yeah. If that existed in real life, you would be one of the richest people on the planet. Everybody yeah. would want one of those. You that afford shirts that closed. Yeah. Well, you can also... <laughs> first, you are the human who established the presence of the afterlife. Yeah. Which, wow. And then you have a device that lets people take pictures of it. It's like, you could be rich, buddy. You don't need to be... You could be sure, sad buddy, and rich instead rich. of sad poor. I mean... Ugh. Well, you could start a business empire and a religion like our friend L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, they're going to come for us soon. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been canceled by Scientology. All right, um, well, I will yeah. say there was one of the most appealing parts of the movie was the concept of the ghost. Do you Can you explain what that is to people who don't know? Can you say that again? The ghost wink? The ghost wink? I don't even know what a ghost wink is. Oh, that was, like, to me. that was the emotional heart of the film. So when after Lakeith's character reveals that his wife died unexpectedly in a car crash and he felt like he didn't get to say goodbye and she thought maybe didn't think he loved her which 
obviously she knew you loved him. You loved her, man. Like there, I, that was another trope where it's just like characters thinking a deceased loved one thought they didn't, they weren't loved. Which man, you guys had a really good relationship. Why wouldn't she? Just because you didn't go with her to get fast food, she didn't think you didn't love her because of that. Anyways, the Tiffany Haddish character had a had this little conversation when it said, "After my grandma died." I would start hearing trains off in the distance. And when she was still alive, we would sit on the porch and listen to the trains or watch the trains. So anytime I hear a train in the distance, I think of that as a ghost wink, where that's the that's my grandmother oh, telling me that they're I heard her say that, but I didn't I didn't remember the term she used for it. They really kind of glossed over this really kind of nice emotional concept. And it eventually comes back at the end as a, there's some way that apparently Surprise, it's the cat. Yeah, so there's a cat. That, it's so much of this movie is throwaway, which is frustrating because they, there could have been a lot more depth. So at the beginning, there's a cat outside of Keith's house. And then at the end, no, there's been no mention of the cat ever since. But then at the end, you find out the cat's name is Tater Tot. And, and yeah, and the wife died when in a car crash on her way to a fast food place to get Tater Tot. So the this uh, quote-unquote ghost wink of the cat named Tater Tot is supposedly Lakeith's deceased wife trying to contact him. And so, But I think that's a really nice emotional thing, but they really didn't kind of play into it. I mean, I just, if I die going to buy Tater Tots, could you tell people I died some other way? <laughs> like, I'll tell those curly fries. At least that's better. Like like he said, jalapeno poppers, I don't know, something, something else. But I, I don't know. I just feel like that concept of a ghost wink is so fucking sad. And they didn't really. Well, it would have been a brave twist to center it. the movie on that. And, you know, this whole movie was kind of written by algorithm, it seems like. No, I don't. I, I don't want to be that harsh on the script because it's not terrible. I think there probably was a lot of studio meddling. But it was interesting that really the theme of this kid's movie is dealing with grief. And they deal with it from the adult perspective. But they really don't deal with the grief of the kid dealing with his dead dad. Like, we that's the big reveal. He got the some end. X-Men action figures out of it. He's fine. Oh, I was going to ask you if you recognize the characters. I, I wrote down, I was keeping a list of the uh, Marvel Legends I saw. Someone who has bought a few Marvel Legends action figures. I was keenly interested in it. Well, I think I, I saw Storm, but like that was one of my points, is the movie is so dark that you know, on my TV, it was like kind of hard to see. Oh, uh, see, I, I got a... I treated myself to an o, OLED last year, so colors were popping, baby. Oh. My TV is OLED, too. I don't, I, I, maybe I misconfigured it or something, but like... Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it seems no, very but... dark. Yeah, but I, I kept a running tally of the, the Marvel characters that I saw. There was Brother Voodoo, which I thought was a nice touch for uh, Black Panther, Namor. Is it, is it Tomahawk? I couldn't remember if that was the X-Men. Or I think the, that's his name. I think so. That seems borderline racially insensitive enough for a Native American X-Man character. And then, as you said, Storm. That's why they call my X-Men name is Spicy Curry. <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the power exactly? You just shoot... Uh, curry out of your fingers yeah like it's very hot curry I burn. hot temperature wise and hot spice wise it's the indian version of pyro and i beat magneto like just like uh squirrel girl beat uh dr, dr. doom, doom. Mm-hmm. yeah god we are so fucking nerds we're, we're huge nerds although i think of our of our 
Travis would w- be one of our listeners because he seemed like a real Michael Scott kind of kid. Like I was just like, yeah, I, I want to bully you, you little punk. Yeah, the note I had is goober kid. And I don't <laughs> want, and I don't want to badmouth a kid actor because acting's hard. I'm sure. Oh no, I'm sure I, he's I, fine as like a real person. I just like meant his character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the character was just they made him dress like Shaft a lot. But he's a nine-year-old boy, so that was that was an interesting. Actually, that would have been more interesting if they did like commando version of Shaft, or the black, like the black tactical turtleneck and the leather black leather jacket. If then he's like, "I'm going to get these fucking ghosts," like that would have been that I would have been the, that would have been the nice goofy turn that this movie needs. Another another brave choice the filmmaker has decided to not do. Um, I did have a question: Shouldn't most of these racist 1800s ghosts be in hell? Yeah, they should be, if there is a hell, but, you know. Um, they did, uh, TV Tropes did mention it after I after I uh, looked into it, but, like, William Gracie's Eleanor love interest, possibly biracial, uh, ambiguously brown, um, so maybe he was not a racist, so maybe the ghosts were not racist, but it does seem like a lot of ghosts of this um, was there. Um, can we talk about The Exorcist, just given that there's, like, actual connection to the exorcist or do you want to wait till some other no, time no we can talk about it i mean we're we're recording out of order so this is going to come out before our exorcist episode so if anyone's following along at home next episode is going to be the exorcist so pause your pause your podcast player go watch the exorcist what is this no i don't think we're going to talk anything of like plot wise about the exorcist but no no I also, it's a 50-year-old up... film. We can't spoil it. Well, we could spoil it. Who cares? Um, guess what? Someone's possessed. My, fr- I, I started like pulling these like um, parallels with The Exorcist like pretty early on. Uh, who's more of a fraud, Father Kent or Father Karras? And then um, you know, Owen Wilson, more personable. I did have like a serious question of it. Is it a sign of our times that the '70s movie has a priest sort of dealing with his uh, lack of faith, and then? priest in our 2020s movie is a charming con man i don't think there is a specific answer for that oh there's there's definitely an answer for that a charming con man is far more appealing than an actual priest in modern times that's well well, i mean i was just thinking like is everything else so bad right now that like what's the entertainment of like i use captain america as a shorthand for all of this and i actually like captain america especially through the mcu but like the Captain America vacation of like entertainment where I got to see Trump on the news like every other day. I don't want to see like someone having to deal with their crisis of faith and like it. No, I mean, it's, it's something that Disney's never going to fully go all in on religious stuff. Although, well, I yeah. Think, yeah, I think they're very partial to it. At the same time, they're also getting backlash from people who think they're groomers. So fucking knows anymore. And then there's like an actual like sort of shot of Owen Wilson as Kent that's meant to invoke the exorcist, which I thought was an interesting choice. Oh, which, which shot was that? I don't remember that. I think it's when they're going to the Crump family house and they, it's shot up as if like it's that very famous movie poster of the exorcist. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did notice that. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. I just thought the interesting choice to like, you know, kind of call back to a very sort of different film. I'm sure we'll talk about that movie poster next week on the exorcist episode i have a feeling that we'll talk about it um <laughs> and then like the the other thing i kind of pulled was about alistair crump um number one if i ever rename myself i would like to name myself something like Alex, alistair crump number two how do you have a character named alistair crump in a movie and not have it be Medbury? uh going back to that 
Yeah, that's it. Probably must have been cheaper too. But what do I know? I mean, I think Tiffany Haddish is going to cost more than than Matt Berry. I think Matt Berry will do it for uh, you know a meal and uh, you know the craft services table during during shooting. Oh, he deserves more than that. No, he does. He does. He just. I feel like he's game for anything. Well, I'm. This is a question I want to make sure that I got to yeah. you. So, in essence, this movie is about a child kind of confronting exist- existential dread. Mm-hmm. When did you first process existential dread? Oof, that's a question, huh? Oh, they got real serious real fast. Um, I hit hard, baby. Yeah. Um. So I tell, I tell, I tell my mental health folks that like. Basically, my entire adult life has been marked by anxiety. And I would say that anxiety is um, fueled by existential dread. Like, if I don't do X, like, I'm going to die poor and alone. Um, If I don't do Y, like, I'm going to be dead. Like, you know, like, so I think, like, existential dread um, is something that's been, like, a characteristic of my own sort of, like, anxiety um, throughout sort of probably my adult life i don't know but i also hold the like incompatible belief that like i can't die i'm the main character of my story i can't be dead um oh there's still part of me in the back of my brain where i'm gonna be the first person to live forever (laughs) yeah come on science let's get right jinxing myself probably dead by tomorrow because get your asses yeah knowing me like i'm gonna be dead trying to get tater tots no like like as you know like i had pets and stuff die like killed a lot of fish in my time like as a as a as a concept, I knew that I die, I will die. Um, everything that lives dies. Like I have plans to like you know I told my partner just like throw my body in the Pacific Ocean when it comes time. Like like I know that it's a thing, but like another part of my brain is like, like you can't like you can't conceptualize it. Like it it I life is a constant telling of a, your own story to yourself, and like if I'm not in the story, I can't tell it to myself. And like. That can't happen. So uh, I would say, like all of all of my adult life, existential dread that I mask with a, um, uh, you know, whatever, trying to be funny. You know, I actually have a story that relates to the haunted mansion that combines my own experience with existential dread. Uh, you were will... seven years old. You went on the ride, and you were like, "People can die." You're pretty close. Am I? Oh, <laughs> so. I first conceptualized the concept of death in first grade. I would stay awake all night, laying in bed, realizing, oh, my mom's going to die. My grandmother's going to die. My sister's going to die. I'm going to die. I, I, that's when it's, that's when my anxiety first started as a child. Oh, and yeah. my poor mom, she thought I was depressed because of my parents getting divorced, which was not the case at all. <laughs> Did not phase me one bit. Uh, Divorce a hundred times if you stay alive forever. Well, the thing was, I didn't realize I had anxiety disorder until I my first job as an attorney, as a disability attorney with the Social Security Administration. Oh, of course, like a law school, being an attorney, none of that is going to contribute to your anxiety. Oh, well, I didn't know. I knew it was there. I just didn't know I had it until I started seeing uh, patient charts of anxiety disorders and then seeing the tests that physicians would administer to determine whether people had anxiety disorder and looking through the paperwork and realizing, oh, I have this, and then <laughs> getting diagnosed by my own therapist after discussing it. But going back to the Haunted Mansion, I've been on this ride countless times and I loved it. But then 
probably uh, maybe around 10 or so. I can't remember the exact date, but I know I had been on the ride plenty of times and loved it. But there was one time I went on and something about the beginning where you're in the stretching room and it reveals the man who hung himself and committed suicide by hanging himself from the rafters. Mm-hmm. I lost my shit. And like, I don't think my mom knew what the fuck was going on. So I was mm-hmm. just like, ah! like flipped out of my mind to the point where they had to escort me and my mom out of a, a like a secret exit way out of the ride because I could not calm down enough to go on the ride. A ride that I had been on countless times before in love, but all of a sudden I had this moment of freak out as a child. To this day, I don't, I don't know what it was about that particular instance where I realized, oh, this is fucking terrifying. A man killed himself above us. It's kind of like that's a beautiful necklace he's wearing, and then you're like, wait, that's no <laughs> necklace. Um, no, I had a very similar experience. Just to like uh, glom onto what you said, like. I didn't realize there was anything like specifically wrong with me until I saw it on like Bojack Horseman and You're the Worst. And I was like, wait a second. I recognize this behavior. <laughs> Maybe I should see a therapist. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, if you were, if we're talking about Patreon, um, Patreon sub podcast or whatever, maybe Bojack Horseman should be the. Maybe we should just do a Bojack Horseman podcast. <laughs> yeah, but then the people who actually know about Bojack will, will, will be like, well, we got nothing except anxiety. Uh, well, anxiety feeling creativity. Yeah, well, know. sort of. Just looking at if there's anything else I wanted to bring up about maybe Danny DeVito was a little dynamo I have in my Oh, I, my note for Danny DeVito was agent of chaos. Yes, and he would have been such a great agent of chaos as a ghost. He would. That That's a great call. That would have made it so much more entertaining. Yeah, Hollywood, what the fuck? Hire us. So we didn't really talk about it, but because it really doesn't make much sense but yeah. the premise of the movie is that hatbox ghost played by jared leto has trapped 999 ghosts in the house mm-hmm. and he needs another ghost to reach a thousand but the thousandth ghost has to be a willing person i.e someone willing to, like to die yeah but what was the end game like i i could not for the life of me figure out what would happen if a thousand ghosts got into the house and was it to get out of the house like i do you did you figure that out at all like i was trying I to feel like maybe they mentioned it and i just was like this movie doesn't make sense i don't care but like i don't i really don't know what his end game was if i were to guess it would be like to destroy half the population across the universe but i, I don't guess. really and I, I truly mean this. If anyone's listening to this and they have an idea of what that conflict and plot point was supposed to be, please, for the love of God, email us and explain it to me. Because there's no way we're going to watch this movie again to figure it out. I've seen this movie twice. I read the Wikipedia entry. I still don't know what the big bad's goal was other than to have a living person willingly die. But why? Please tell me. I... Maybe that's why I don't appreciate the movie on a level that some people seem to. Because looking out of the corner of my eye, I'd see it has a 6.2 rating on IMDb, but also has a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that the critics? I think so. Yeah. And then a 2.7 out of 5 out of Letterboxd, which I think that's accurate. Um, Yeah, you mentioned it, and I was going to kind of say it as well. This plot was like... This movie was too long and this plot was too complex. Like, we don't find out about this, like, 939 ghosts or whatever Jamie Lee Curtis says until, like, 
three hours into the movie, it felt like. Well, I wouldn't even say it's complex. It's just not fully developed. It's just like, eh, we need another dead person. No, I think it's complex. It. Like, it needs to be a willing person. Why does it need to be a willing person? Like, tell us, like, I don't know. Like, I think your idea that, like, you're in a house and you can't get out until you figure out the mystery or, like, defeat the ghost so much simpler and you don't have to spend two hours like explaining this concept to me yeah oh boy you want to bring in the dead kids dead dad that's fine you could do that in that premise like there's you want danny devito to die you could do that in this premise oh you know going off that i have a note the kid didn't even seem that sad like he just seemed no he didn't he seemed like a picked on nerd which i you know i obviously can relate to even as a fucking adult i'm still picked on nerd <laughs> uh, i wasn't bullying like, you before I this podcast the... started huh i was oh, bullying yes. you before this podcast started from, no i'm a from... nerd i'm a little brown guy of course like <laughs> i'm a zizanzari without the uh without the sexual badness yeah thank god <laughs> thank god for that no but i that was another thing too was like i the fact he's like oh i'm talking about that like there's no hint that really he was dealing with a dead parent like like if well i was gonna say if one of my parents died, if my mom had died as a child i would have been inconsolable like i don't think i ever would have um but this kid is just like eh, he's pretty functional for having his dad die maybe he didn't like him too much i don't know at the same time did he I know that dad was dead because that i mean i like that there was a little mystery there but like at the beginning it seems like uh gabby and Travis's dad, like, I mean, they don't say it specifically, but it gives the impression that they broke up. Uh, and then yeah. you find out he's been calling Travis and you're like, okay, that whatever. And then you find out he's dead and it's like, aha, got me movie. But then the kid is like, this is totally normal. I live in a ghost house and it freaked me out, but my supposedly dead dad has been calling me. I need to go on a really weird ass tangent just because I was thinking about it while watching it. And if our friend Danielle is listening to this, you're probably the only other person on the planet who will read. But there was an improv troupe at our undergrad, and there was this one... Winners, all of them. There was this one super cute girl in it who I think I and our aforementioned friend both had a crush on. And I didn't go see them often just because it was improv and it was bad. But she, this girl actually was pretty funny, and she had some... I will. I, I don't know if you knew them. I'll I'll tell you. If it was Oxford College, I, come on. No, it, it was it was main campus. Oh, then maybe. But this girl in a skit introduced herself as butt sex Gabby. And I cannot for the life of me ever hear the name Gabby without hearing this imp- improviser introduce herself as hi, I'm butt sex Gabby. So Danielle, if you're listening to this This one's for you. Yeah, I think you may be, I think you're the only other person who will know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I just need to put that out there just because I can't hear the name Gabby without hearing this random improv, improv, improvisational bit about butt sex Gabby. Sorry. Well, it sounds like the quality comedy that you would expect from an, from an improv troupe. But you know what? It's been almost 20 years. I still remember it. That I'm probably going to remember that until my brain erodes into nothingness. So kudos to this existential improviser. Dread. Well, it doesn't have to be good to like burn itself into your brain. We talked about um, this is my religion. Being... I was going to say, I think that I think that applies for most of our memories. Is that yeah. They don't have to be good for us to remember. Oh, that's anxiety. I don't remember any of the good things that happened to me, but I remember all the bad things. Call us Rosario Dawson. Um, so... <laughs> 
Is there anything from this movie that you would want to get, like, I guess, backported into the ride? No, absolutely not. <laughs> well, I will say, I did, I did have in my notes, I thought the movie was at its best when it did sort of sync up with the ride. Like, when he, when Stanfield goes into the attic and starts seeing all the old memorabilia isn't the right word, but all the items about the, the white, the bride who had killed her husband. pornography. Constance Hatchaway. The, the Black Widow Bride who killed all oh, her I husbands by beheading. When they actually went like really nitty gritty into the detail of the ride, my stupid theme park brain is like, oh yes, I love it. Give me more. But objectively, I thought those were the strongest parts of the film. But mm-hmm. maybe I am looking at it too skewed of a haunted mansion. Thing. I mean, I felt that way too, but I do. I wonder if that's because like we went on the ride like four times and like it just set off that part of my brain that was like, I get that. There was no weight. Like, it was, I mean, okay. Just to give people a, an idea of what the trip was like. Uh, I was, Tom was nice to, enough to invite me. I, I, you know. So, well, you were nice enough to go. I was on the verge of going alone and burning through a lot of money because it was, I was supposed to go with my significant other. He's been in Colorado for several years. We keep saying we're going to move back. So, like, having gone to the Florida parks, I don't know, probably close to 100 times by this. I wanted to see what California. So I got us tickets. I got us passes. I got us a couple nights at the, the super nice hotel out there because we, she and I had not taken a vacation since pre-pandemic. So I was ready to go all out. She ended up having these really out of nowhere health issues. Like luckily nothing life threatening or anything, but it got to the point where she could not travel at all. So once this, and I will say one of her doctors was like, Oh yeah, you could totally take this. Trip. You'll be able to travel. No problem. Uh, fast forward to a, a few weeks later where it's like, oh no, you can't travel anywhere anytime soon. So she's like, I can't go. I was like, do you want me to cancel? She said, no, it would be good for you to go see if, you, if anybody would go. Coincidentally, you and I, a few months prior, had toyed with the idea of taking a joint trip with my significant other and you and your wife. And so I reached out to you. And you're like, yeah, I think I can go. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, I think your wife was like, go. You you are in the same boat where you guys hadn't really traveled much either. Yeah. So your wife was nice enough to let you join me. And so the day before I was supposed to go, my significant other went to urgent care twice in the ER once. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was originally supposed to arrive in California, I think, at 9 or 10 in the morning. And you got a similar arrival time. We were supposed to have a full day that Sunday at the parks. You luckily were able to go keep your schedule and kind of do your thing. I, instead of taking the very first flight in the morning out of Denver to, was it Burbank? Did we, I can't remember. It was the John Wayne. Yeah, John, John Wayne's Burbank. Yeah, I think. So instead of taking the first flight of the day, I ended up taking the absolute last flight out of the day. Didn't get to California until 10 o'clock, I believe. Uh, I hurried through the terminal. I paid extra for Lyft to get me a priority ride from the airport to the hotel. Got to the hotel. I think the park was open for another 20 minutes. I was like, we got to go. You luckily indulged my nonsense. And we hurry out of the hotel room down to the park. It's like 11.20 or 11.30 at night. I had watched walkthrough videos on YouTube, so I knew how to navigate the park. (laughs) We hightail it to the Haunted Mansion, get on it, 
And then by the time we get off, we still had enough time to get on Pirates before the park closed. Because if you're in line before the park closes, you can still get on the ride. So we got, I had about 20 minutes. I'd oh, pay- you shouted down a service worker as well. Let's not forget. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I would never, I would never yell at a cast. They're, they work so hard and get treated so poorly. I would never, but that was kind and of. And you can ask them out too. You can ask them out. So <laughs> yeah. Eat them out. Uh, uh, no, so that's that's when Ridwan talks about me being a weirdo for the Haunted Mansion. That's where it comes from. See, you weirdo. I said you like the ride, which is legit. I think it's it's a good ride. It's one of the better rides at Disney. So I, you know, I, oh I, sure, I, but you know, how many people are like, I gotta get in front of the airport to the theme park so I can go Haunted Mansion before the park closes? Ugh! No, no I of, totally, I totally get it. I totally like that was the energy like, I had that entire day. <laughs> yeah, and you made it just in time to do it. I was like, you know, if you made the time, it's like totally reasonable to say, like, let's go. Like, it's a yeah. five minute walk from the, the hotel you got. Um, so I, uh, I'm just gonna say again, thank you for inviting me. Not that we brought it up, but um, yeah, no, I totally was game. Like, it was totally good. Um, yeah, well, that's why it ended up being a fun trip. I think yeah. Saying, yeah, we're here. Just- I had two notes uh, of stuff that I wanted to see for uh, backboarding to the ride animatronic Lakeith Stanfield to stay as part of the ride until well after he's been canceled. <laughs> like a certain other ride that you has just mentioned, um, starring Jonathan Depp, I believe his name is. I think that's all right. <laughs> um, yeah, his weird pirate has managed to stay on that ride much longer than you would expect. You know, they should... I don't want this, but it would be pretty funny if they replaced the iconic... Oh, shit, I'm having a brain fart on the guy's name. The iconic voice for the Haunted Mansion. And so after you get in the Doom Buggy, instead of being like, keep your arms and legs in the in the Doom Buggy, if it's just the key stamp, it's like, hey, everybody, just, you know, be cool. Don't don't touch anything. You know, don't... You might have seen in my movie, Flash Photography, Scare Skills. You know, don't yeah, do don't... Oh, that would be clever. That would be very <laughs> clever. Uh, yeah, and then, like, you know, actually, I wouldn't mind if they did put a ghost Danny DeVito in the ballroom scene. I wouldn't want him, <laughs> I wouldn't want him replacing any of the ghosts that are already there, but just put him, put him in the corner. But it's the only there. lines from It's Always Sunny. I just want him in the corner eating a really soggy Jersey Mike sandwich, where it's like, <laughs> when you, when you ride by him, like, he's by the, the balcony, and, like, he takes a bite into the sandwich, and it squirts, uh, the, the, Jersey Mike juice onto you, so like you, <laughs> you get sprayed with vinegar and oil and some like, rosemary mix. It, it, I think that'd be kind of sage. You got they got at Costco. <laughs> um, the other thing I was uh, looking to add was animatronic Rosario Dawson inappropriately inappropriately hitting on us, a la Roz on the Monsters Inc. ride, which I think yeah, you have some information about. Well, I want to say. I'm worried people are going to think we're very horny. I think I think every movie we've been, we've made like some hubba hubba about some <laughs> of the female actors. Well, I really want to we bring in the uh, the the Roz uh, monster from Monsters Inc. ride. That yes, was this, more this by... is this is turning into story time. But I like telling stories. I myself and so prior to going on the trip, my sister, who is a former cast member and is married to a cast member, she had been to the She told me go on the Monsters Inc. ride, and at the end. Look at the Roz. Roz is the, eh, it's the character from the Monsters, Inc. movie. It's like the giant slug with the glasses. My sister told me, wave or say hi to Roz before you get off the ride. And so Riddy and I go through the ride. We are stopped right in front of the Roz character. And I think we like wave or say, you know, do something. And the voice starts talking to us. And what it goes like, oh, hey, you're a real stud. 
be sure to look underneath your bed tonight. Like, something very horny about, like, showing up to have sex with one. I mean, and... she didn't say that, but that was the implication. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely was. It's like, <laughs> check underneath your bed or something like that. <laughs> and to this day, we still don't know whether it's a, a pre-recorded line or if there's someone at the opposite end improvising. And I've researched online, I've looked on Reddit, no definitive answer to this question because apparently it happens to other people. So if any Imagineers out there who wants to spill the beans, the spill the tea. Well, I really, the... really want to know. Yeah, the email address is in the show info. We'll protect your identity. Yeah, you don't need to tell your. Uh, Disney will put out people to find you, but we will we will put you in witness protection. You wanted the Rosario Dawson animatronic to hit on you, and I, or, I wanted or to go... Lakeith Stanfield. Like that could be fine. He could do both. I want to say. There was no chemistry between the two of them. And then that there's like <laughs> then we're supposed to believe by the end there's some potential romance brewing between the two of them. Yeah, I could see that they were trying to the movie was trying to maneuver maneuver them together, but they spend no time. There was only one scene where they tried to develop chemistry between them. And it was talking about eggshells in the scrambled egg sheet, which is not even sexy with like the egg subtext of it all. It was just I mean, like, it doesn't have to be sexy, but it's not even like there was no mildly rapport. romantic. Yeah. No, there was no chemistry. They like they didn't like. It's work more well believable that he hooked up with Owen Wilson at the end than it was Rosario Dawson. Yeah. No, it was that was just a point. It was like this: the movie did not need this. Like he he easily could have been a new father figure for that kid without having to inject this forced potential relationship. I mean, they're two very beautiful people. If they get together, oh, yeah. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for their kid. They're, I mean, I guess the old kid, but they're, they're any new kids that come up as well. Well, but, I think my significant other asked at the end, she's like, do you think they were trying to set it up for a potential sequel? Like, oh, where I don't know if they were, or maybe it would have been loose enough they could have. But the movie underperformed so much. I see right here, it only its box office was a uh, hundred fourteen point five million, and I think fuck the- man, Danny DeVito dies in this one. In the sequel, they have a kid, and the kid is Danny DeVito. Well, I was thinking there are three, arguably four haunted mansions in the world at Disney parks. Uh huh. You could use the different ones, like they could go to a honeymoon at one of the other ones. And that could have been a sequel. You sure love Japan, even though it never came up in the uh, the first movie. So I don't. Go that, to the I don't. Mansion. I think Japan's. The, I don't think they have one in Japan. I think that's the only one that don't have. They have one of the oh, two. Really? Yeah. Well, I know this because I have a Japanese aunt, and she went with us to Disney World once when I was really young, and she refused to go on the haunted mansion because she thought it was disrespectful to the dead. So I'm extrapolating from that that maybe there's some part of Japanese culture that that would not embrace a haunted mansion. I. You would probably know better than I would, so I'm I'm not making a definitive statement on that. I'm just speaking anecdotally from my Japanese. Uh, they have but... it. <laughs> hmm? They have one, and I, I, I saw I saw on TV tropes. I just looked it up now, and they have it at Tokyo Disneyland. Do um, Crump Manor. They... Was supposed to res... Oh, go ahead. Oh, Phantom Manor. I thought that was Hong Kong. Well, no. So Crump Manor in the movie is supposed to resemble oh, the Manor. one in Florida and Tokyo Disneyland, but they mm-hmm. have like they have Haunted Mansion. In Tokyo Disneyland, it looks like. I've undermined all my credibility. Uh, but it does look like, uh, I'm looking at, the, there's a picture of the outside right there. I just look up Tokyo Disneyland Haunted Mansion, and the Disney site shows like a picture of the of the building. Well, apparently Aunt Hisako was oh, one-off weirdo. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. Because like haunted houses and stuff like are pretty common in like like I watched like if you guys are not watching this, watch it. But there's this middle-aged comedian who plays video games, retro video games, and is bad at them. Game Center ZX. I just watched the one he did of Ray something Fatal Frame, which is like in a haunt, like a Japanese haunted house. So that like I'm not a like I said like well I think I say. I predict I will say in the next podcast, The Exorcist, I'm not a huge horror fan, so I don't like go in for like horror media too much, but I've seen like haunted. Okay, I'm going to try and save my ass by saying I was not <laughs> thinking of it because it apparently is a one-for-one recreation from the Florida. Okay. So I think that's maybe where I got thrown off because they have the Disneyland one and the Florida one, and I guess the ja- the Tokyo one. They're so what? what's the difference? Like, what are the differences between the Florida one? So the main difference between the California one and the Florida one is the presence of Hatbox Ghost. And even then, okay. that's a relatively new feature. So they wanted to have Starring that Jared character. Leto. They wanted to have that character in the ride when it opened. But the technology mm-hmm. wasn't there yet. And it looked a little janky. So they removed it. But it was kind of like lived in the legend of... <laughs> Not like, like Jared Leto. <laughs> well, it built up this legend. It's like, oh, they had this animatronic that was so scary. They had to... They had to take it out of the ride because people were just pooping their pants. And that's not what it mm-hmm. was. It just looked like shit. And then a couple of years ago, there was an uh, Imagineer who like knew about the lore and looked up and he found the drawings and the old designs of the animatronic that was built. He looked at it. He's like, oh, yeah, I think the, design, the technologies are around now where we can actually do it to the way that the original Imagineer. So they just out of nowhere mm-hmm. put it in California. Everybody lost their shit. Apparently, it's like the huge money maker as far as merchandise i know i have a haunted uh have a catbox ghost tiki mug so worked on me and so that's really the main difference between the two aside from like the facade of the building there's one in paris that is done up like old west style where neat yeah so what's the uh there's a story to that one more so in the american where Ravenwood, I think, is the character name where it's like another kind of jilted bride or something like that. But then it ends up at the end of the ride, you ride through an old town, old West town setting, like it's saloons and cowboys and shit like that. Like, oh, the Americans. And then in Hong Kong, I believe it's so that one's Phantom Manor. Oh, God, I should have done more research. No one's listening. But then there's one. <laughs> if they're what they're listening 45 minutes into the Haunted Mansion podcast, they they are they're here for the information. All right, no, I'm right. So Phantom Manor is in Disneyland. What's the one in Hong Kong? The one in Hong Kong is not ghosts. It's a it's an enchanted home, and a monkey lets out some kind of magical spirit, and it has all this crazy shenanigans. And oh, suits. that old trope. It I've seen a ride through, and it looks. Really great. If I can ever get my ass to Asia, I'd like to see us in the show. Mystic Manor. Okay. So that so it's not a haunted mansion necessarily, but it's kind of like similar DNA, but not uh, not similar to the other version. And I forget why I I talked about. It. There are haunted mansions all over the world, evidently. Well, anyone who watched Ghost Adventures like me would know that as well. <laughs> and I really, really need to go one episode without talking about Ghost Adventures. As well. Wait a wait a call me out. <laughs> Way to call me out. I'm the one switching back to uh, Deadliest Catch or whatever the sea captain was. That who was I, a pretty funny joke. Who uh, who uh, I pictured as the sea captain from The Simpsons. Oh, I didn't. See, that's a reference to very early iteration of the ride. They were going to, it was going to be a walkthrough and the house was going to be owned by a former ship captain called Captain Gore. 
So that was like a, a nice little Easter egg reference to that. So I, I'd seen images of that. And I think in the, I think in the Florida one, there's a painting of like an evil looking fisherman. So I kind of had that image in my brain for that character who's never seen. That wasn't a, that wasn't a painting. That was one of the, your fellow writers. It's a, one of those boudoir photos I have laying around. <laughs> I have no response to that. I, I have nothing to say. You know, if we go back, if we go to the Florida one, I don't know uh-huh. if they had it in California. You can get your photo. You can get the photo taken and make it look like you're a ghost. That you do like a family portrait. We should do that. Yeah, we should do that. I, I thought a... you were going to say that you, we could get a photo made in a boudoir style like uh, George from Seinfeld. But it's got to be somewhere. <laughs> somewhere you can get like dirty Disney boudoir photos <laughs> oh god now people are gonna think this is like a real hornball podcast whatever let's just lean into it <laughs> well i was gonna ask if there would be any ghost winks for you if you were to untimely pass away but i, that I mean yeah that's dark. that may be too dark to... of a question after my death how would i communicate with the people that i have left behind yeah. um i i don't know i think I would be that gentle breeze you feel on the back of your neck on a summer day. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'd probably be like, oh, you didn't order fast food, but you got jalapeno poppers for no reason. That would be me. I don't know. Do you have an answer to this this question? Hmm. If there's like a random, random fart smell, like I, I tend to fart a lot. And that's really kind of the, I think that was the unfortunate solidification of the relationship between me and my significant other is when I started farting openly in front of her because I was like yep I know she's not going anywhere and now I just kind of let it rip whatever which is not good but I think that that'd probably be the 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 ghost wing to her she'd be like oh there's a random fart smell oh that's probably Tom <laughs> Tom speaking to me beyond the beyond the grave yep there he, there he is again oh God, that's sad. I would, I need something nicer than pe- being remembered as a fucking fart. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, now I'm having another existential crisis. It answered it. So, oh, all right. Well, know, do we have anything else to say about Haunted Mansion? Yeah, I was really disappointed that the end turned into a giant CGI goop, like all the kind of recent MCU movies. That was really disappointing. Yeah, that's true. Like I did by that point, I had been like, all right, something's happening. But I really wasn't like that invested to like even think big CGI wake fest. Um, yeah, I have I have it in my notes here. So much at the end. Protect the hat, escape the ghost, save the kid, banish hatbox ghost. Like there's just so much going on at the end there, and none of it really made any sense. Yeah, I feel like you kind of had a much simpler plot, like you mentioned, and that would have been a lot sort of shorter, easier to understand. You wouldn't have had to do like cgi battle with the bad guy kind of thing no i mean i'm sure i really would like to know if there's like company mandates that every movie has to have that so it's a such a weird storytelling device that's in every marvel or uh, every disney related movie now we don't want it stop it stop it yeah. bob bob Iger, give us stop a priest it. who is struggling with his faith we're bringing it baby oh yeah we're gonna i predict we're gonna bring that like no one's business well i have one of the final quotes I had in the movie is, I hate it everywhere. And I feel like <laughs> if I was in this movie too, I probably would have hated it everywhere as well. And I, I don't want, I really don't want to hate on the movie. It's not terrible, 
but you can live a very full, satisfying life without seeing this unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I think so. And like I said, again, uh, you don't have to see, I mean, uh, I've seen it once. Uh, I never have to see it again. It's totally fine with me. It incorporated the darkness of the ride, but none of the fun. That that would be my little excerpt. You were kids throwing up, I guess, but other than that. Yeah, well, bring it back to the pretense of the show. What can we learn from the sad man of this movie? Don't let your wife die. Don't let her go out by herself to get tater tots. Yeah, that's sadly what I have. Was <laughs> my answer. When your significant other wants fast food, go get fast food. I have one advice. to two words for you, uh, Ben. DoorDash. <laughs> you could have skipped this whole movie if you just ordered DoorDash. Oh, you know, I guess at some point I'm just going to have to do a side podcast of all my like political rants because I have feelings about, <laughs> about the the these things about I gig believe. economy and the delivery apps. But I, I'm not going to do that now. We're running, we're, we're running long anyways. And I'm if anyone's still listening, they don't want to listen to that shit. Your 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 right wing views, <laughs> like ghostly views oh your political views on ghosts uh deport them build a ghost wall <laughs> that's that's what they did in this movie this is a very trump movie oh my god they did yeah although yeah. i guess the, the the other ghosts were allowed to stay if they registered with the government and uh uh you know promised to go back i guess well they had they got those ghost visas where if like they started a business and employed 12 employees or whatever they were uh-huh. to- Maintain the citizenship, ghost citizenship. <laughs> ah, terrible. We've ruined this movie and our, speaking of cheer up, buddy, we, we're going to have to cheer up. Oh, just another self-indulgent reference. Did I ever send you that script I wrote about the ghost lawyer, the lawyer who re- practiced ghost law? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, send uh, me that one. Eh, maybe. I don't know. Do you out there want to read my dumb scripts that no one's ever wanted to read? We should, we should do a, a, we could do Patreons for that, like a reading of, of the ghost story. You know, if anyone ever pays, wants to pay me to listen to my bullshit, my creative bullshit, I'll happily oblige. But in the meantime, you should like, subscribe, and follow us on, I don't, I don't remember what the calls to action are supposed to be. Like this podcast. Tell us your good things. I don't know. Listen to it. I can check the downloads. I know how many people listen to every episode. If you don't listen to every episode, I will know and I will send Jared Leto's Hatbox Ghost after you and he'll have a very nebulous plan to trap you in the afterlife. You it, don't it's want Mormon that. Time. It's Morbin time. Nobody wants that. If you don't listen, we will do a Morbius episode and I will make you listen, goddammit. That's how we should do it. Is Yeah, Morbius episode if you don't listen to this podcast. We're just going to start threatening the audience. That's that's our heel turn now. It's just yeah. threatening them. Much like Jared Leto himself, we've become the villain. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> All, right. All right. Are we done? I think we're done here. All right, everybody. If you want to email us, it's in the show. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we will be back next episode with The Exorcist. Woo! All right. Any final words? Bye! Boo. Goodbye.